You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Dina Kaplan, co-founder of Blip.TV, goes on the record online. We have a show called Nostalgic Critic on Blip, uh, that in its very first quarter of moving to Blip earned $26,000 just from runner network advertising. So that means that we actually weren't selling the show directly. It was just earning money through our ad networks that we have on Blip, uh, and it made that much money, which is, I mean, that's a nice amount when you consider how early we are in this medium of web video. Now, let me give the caveat to that, which is that making web video is not a get-rich-quick uh, mean. So if you're looking to get rich quick, uh, this is really not going to be the easiest way to do it. Uh, the people that are earning money are people that either reach a very targeted demographic that's very valuable to an advertiser and also have content that is appropriate for an advertiser uh, or people who are doing mass shows that have opted into advertising and are making money based on the number of views that their show is attracting. And so if they have a few million views, uh, they will start to earn some semi-serious money. Uh, but it's not going to be the money that you would make if you're an A-list Hollywood talent uh, producing film or an A-list Hollywood talent starring in a television series. I believe that online video will have the same sweeping impact on the web as TV had on radio and, and, and print news. Um, so I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Dina Kaplan of Blip TV. But before I play it for you, I want to tell you about a study that um, iPressroom, Trendstream, Corn Ferry International, and the Public Relations Society of America are preparing called the Digital Readiness Report. Many of you know over the last three years, I've been fortunate enough to travel the world and train literally hundreds of executives on social media and new media for business communications. Um, so I know there is a huge demand for the acquisition of digital communication skills. What I don't know is which digital com communication skills are most important to employers. Um, so we are putting together this study to answer that question. Um, if you are a uh, manager who has hired a PR, marketing, or corpcom employee in the last 12 months or expects to in the next 12 months, I hope you'll go to ipressroom.com forward slash ready and fill out the brief survey. Um, help us help you uh, find out uh, which skills are most important to employers, and uh, by the same token, which um, skills are, are most important uh, for uh, job candidates. Um, so again, you can uh, fill out the survey by hopping over to ipressroom.com forward slash ready, and we will uh, have that link available to you until May 28th, 2009. Now we are going to play for you the interview with uh, Dina Kaplan, about the explosive growth of online video and what it means for organizational communicators after this. 
Can you upload press releases and manage the media contact information in your online newsroom? Or are you still relying on someone else to do it for you? Are you able to upload high-resolution captioned images that reporters and bloggers can download and use in their coverage? Or do you need someone else to do that as well? And what about video? Can you easily upload video to your own branded online newsroom right inside your existing website? Or does that require IT support as well? According to Pew Internet, the web is the dominant channel for news and information. If you're a PR person and you're not equipped to communicate effectively online, iPressroom has a solution for you. With iPressroom, you get an easy-to-use online newsroom right inside your existing website. If you can point and click and drag and drop, iPressroom gives you everything you need to execute effective online PR campaigns. You can even use our press release search engine optimization wizard to increase the search rank of your organization's website. To find out more about our online newsroom management solution or for a free 60-day trial of our online newsroom SEO wizard, tweet me at Chris Bechtel, which is B-E-C-H-T-E-L, or send email to info at ipressroom.com. Dina Kaplan, co-founder of Blip.tv, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So online video, competitive space, obviously uh, a lot of activity there. Um, What makes Blip.tv different? I'd say that there are a few reasons that Blip.tv is different. The the most important is that we are 100% focused on people who are creating shows. So that's people who uh, have a show open, they have a show closed, a steady set of actors, or maybe themselves as the host of the show. Uh, but the shows that we host on Blip are probably much more similar to a television program that you might watch on your television set uh, than they are to a one-off viral video. The shows are gaining an audience uh, that's loyal to the show, and they're often aired at the same time. It might be every Monday at 10 a.m. It might be once a week, um, but they are consistent programs that are building up an audience. And another key differentiator for us is that we are not a destination site at Blip.tv. We believe that shows have what we call a total potential audience and that it will never be found on one site. So what we do is make it very easy for show creators to syndicate or send shows everywhere that people are watching video. So we've done deals with everyone from AOL Video to iTunes to TiVo to Fios uh, to make these great shows available wherever people enjoy watching very good content. So when you look at the numbers in terms of viewership, uh, how are most people getting the shows? Through what channels? So we have 60 million views a month uh, to Blip TV videos, 38,000 original web shows that we host. And where people watch the shows really ranges. I'd say overall, probably the biggest driver of traffic for shows is the show's own website. Uh, because what's so interesting uh, about the people who are creating these shows is that they consider them a business. Um, so you have all of these independent show creators producing good content who 
two years ago or three years ago may have been trying to get this show onto network television. Now they don't have to jump through all those hurdles and sit through a lot of pitch meetings. They can just produce the show and air it. So their own site, which has their own look and feel and branding and logos, etc., is an important driver of traffic to the content. I'd say second to that is probably iTunes. And then the rest of the traffic is really pretty spread out among a, among a bunch of different sites and then onto the TV set as well. I mean, we have views that come in from AOL video. We syndicate to AOL's uh, search engine, Truvio, so that our content is available on MSN, uh, Blinks, and a bunch of other uh, big web aggregators. And, you know, a show about music, well, it may end up doing very well on Bebo, a show that caters to an older audience, may do well on another state, a show that uh, is more focused on young people, might thrive on MySpace. So it's just important to make your show available in all of these different places and see where it takes off. So when you look at these, um, you know, these, uh, I know that uh, for September 08, you guys announced uh, 51 uh, million plays. And, and at the time, that was across 30, from 37,000 actively updated uh, web shows. You're saying now it's 38,000. When you look at all the shows, um, does the legend of the long tail ring true? Or do you find that most of the plays are coming from... Uh, a small number of the shows. How does that? How do those fifty-one million plays map out against uh, thirty-seven thousand uh, different shows? Is it evenly distributed? Well, so right now, yeah. So thirty-eight thousand shows and sixty million video views a month, and. Definitely, we cater to the long tail. We have some top shows that get between 1 million and 5 million views a month, and those are very strong numbers for how new this medium of web shows is. Uh, so if your show gets a million views, definitely my hat is off to you. That's a great number to have. But we also have shows that are really thriving in terms of making some advertising revenue uh, and building up a really loyal audience that are at 35,000 views. So I think it depends what your goal is with the show in terms of how you should gauge the success. Uh, but definitely for the most part, I'd say we cater to the long tail. And you can see that from looking at the types of shows that we have. We have shows not just on cooking, but on macrobiotic cooking and not just macrobiotic cooking but macrobiotic vegan cooking you know and maybe people using healthy ingredients from gardens in Canada so I kind of smile when I uh, sometimes have an opportunity to surf around and look at all the shows that we're hosting uh, and I could probably tell you that if you're looking for content on a certain subject we probably have one to ten shows at least that focus on that very subject so you know in conventional advertising it's all about reach and it's all about frequency and, uh, you know, you're selling to conventional advertisers. And, uh, you know, in that world, reach is inventory. So, you know, I, while I see um, the practical need from a consumer standpoint for having a show about vegan microbiotic cooking, how do you make something like that profitable, uh, not just for you, but for the show creator? I mean, how, how does an audience of 35,000 uh, net out into you know, enough money for somebody to sustain the production of that type of a show and, and, and to sustain it with the production uh, um, quality that would compete with uh, broadcast fare. Right. Look, it, it's 
about reach, but it's also about the quality of the audience. So I'll give you an example. We have a show on Blip that's called Beat TV that covers the business of web video. And this show has done great in terms of sponsorships. It's definitely not one of our bigger shows. I would doubt it's even in our top 100 or 200 in terms of pure numbers. But the audience that it reaches is very valuable to a certain set of advertisers. And so this show has made good money. We've brought in Adobe to sponsor it. We've brought in Akamai to sponsor it, Holiday and Express that was running a campaign about uh, it being smart, uh, sponsored the show. And so that show, fair to say, is thriving, even though it doesn't reach a large audience, it reaches the right audience, uh, and so it's doing well. If you have a macrobiotic cooking show, for sure there should be a macrobiotic cookbook <laughs> that could be a really good sponsor for that, or maybe you could talk to the local Whole Foods about sponsoring that show. So I think you want to divide advertising into a couple of different options, and just to make things really simple, I'll right now divide it into pure media and sponsorship. If you're talking about pure media, which would be it's just a post-roll, a pre-roll, an overlay, something that can be bought in mass, it's much easier to sell that to an agency if you're talking about reach. Like for us to be able to tell an agency, we have 60 million video views. Uh, if you have a new Procter & Gamble product that you're looking to launch that clearly needs reach to drive the needle on sales of that product, we can sell you mass reach on blip, just run of network. Now, if you take your BTV as the opposite end of that spectrum and talk about sponsorship and doing something really integrated, we could talk to an Adobe or an Akamai and say, okay, you want to reach thought leaders who are C-level, who are making decisions about what CDN, what content delivery network you're going to use to host your videos. Well, it would be very hard for you to find a more targeted audience than the audience watching Beat TV, which is covering the, the news of web video. So that's a great match. Uh, and for them to do just a pure reach, you know, mass pre-roll buy would make no sense. But for them to do a very tar a targeted, integrated sponsorship of Beat TV makes a ton of sense. So it works in both cases. In terms of um, of cost, uh, you know, what does it cost? What's the CPM for someone like Akamai who wanted to you know, promote their CDN to the viewers of Beat? Yeah, so it really ranges on what you're doing with the campaign. And now to break it down on a different uh, slice, let's talk about the different types of ways that a product uh, or a brand can market itself. Uh, even integration can have all sorts of different levels. So you can say, Beat.tv is brought to you by Akamai. Um, and that's brand integration, and that's targeted, and that's a great way to reach an audience. Or in this case, they actually did something even deeper, which I thought was really smart. And they had Andy Plesser, who's the host of the show, actually produce videos with both Akamai executives and then Akamai customers talking about how much they loved Akamai. We did it ourselves because we've been really happy with them. So we had our CTO of Blip, Justin Day, talk about how great Akamai has been in terms of letting us serve videos really quickly on Blip. Uh, and then Andy, uh, plus again, the host of BTV, interviewed a couple executives at Akamai, put them up on the site. It was a whole sponsored section. And that was just a really great integrated buy. So the CPMs really range. And sometimes if you do a, a, a truly 
integrated sponsorship with all sorts of different components, you're just putting a price tag on it. You're saying it's X thousands of dollars uh, or whatever it is per month. We're not going to price this on a CPM. Uh, the opposite end of the spectrum is if someone is just advertising run of network on Blip, you're almost always going to put a CPM on that and say, okay, our pre-rolls cost X amount, our overlays cost Y, post-rolls cost Z. Uh, and then you may haggle back and forth about the price, but that's always going to be done on a CPM level. Can you give us a range or just any idea of what it costs? So CPMs are really fluctuating a lot. Um, right now, we're definitely seeing them drop a bit, uh, in part because of the recession, but in part because there's a an equalization going on right now between advertising on web video and advertising on TV. Believe it or not, advertising on web video has actually been a lot more expensive than advertising on television. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of benefits to advertising on web video. There's the engagement. There's the metrics that you get with web video that you don't get with television. There's the fact that a video you advertise on can be shared um, and you can re-embedded and you'll get all sorts of additional views uh, of it that you're not going to have to pay for and that's something that would never happen on television. So I think it could be a little bit more. You just don't want it necessarily to be a lot more, uh, like double or triple the amount. So I'd say this year, if you're going run of network on uh, premium content, your CPMs will probably be between 5 and $25 is probably fair to say. When you look, I know one of the things you um, it says on the website is that you guys offer you know, reporting and tracking for yeah. the independent creators that are hosting their shows on blip.tv. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, what, you know, how in-depth are those reports, and, and what should an independent creator be looking for when they look at those numbers? So I think you want to have a few things to offer uh, to potential advertisers and then also things that you want to be tracking yourself if you're producing a show. You want to know how many views a month of my videos am I getting. And then you want to know where are my views being driven from. So if it turns out that 50% of your views are coming from iTunes, that's very significant for you to know. You're going to want to make sure you're very cleanly integrated with iTunes. You might want to push us to get a little promotion of the show uh, on the iTunes podcast directory. Uh, and there's some other things that you can do to try to drive additional views. Uh, so you want to know where your content's being watched. It's also interesting to know what time of day your viewership is uh, is peaking at um, so that you'll know, okay, if you have really strong viewership between 3 and 5 p.m. on weekdays, that may be when you want to release new episodes of your show. So we can give you that information. We also can go so as granular as to give you an engagement metric for each video. So what we've done is integrate into Blip, uh, Illuminix, which is a company that TubeMobile recently acquired. And what Illuminix does, it gives you a beautiful graph of where within each episode people paused, fast forward, or rewound the video so that you can see, for example, if you've done product placement. If someone wore uh, Puma shoes within a video and then was showing, uh, maybe it's a golfer that's showing their stance uh, of how they're you know, getting ready to make a shot and the camera zooms in on the Puma shoes and you can see that people pause the video there. Um, and if Puma sponsored the show, then that's a very important metric to be able to report back to them that that product placement was very valuable because at the point that the camera focused in on the Puma shoes, a lot of people paused or rewound that video to rewatch it. So we offer metrics from the aggregate number of views that you're getting on your shows just per month down to per day, per platform. Uh, 
time of day, and then these engagement metrics within each video. So it's a lot of information, but we definitely believe it's better to have too much information than not enough information. And that's the sort of metric that makes ad buys a lot easier when you're pitching advertisers. So I'm assuming that this um, uh, that this uh, ability to measure uh, pauses and and stops and rewinds, that's something that's going to work on the website, right, but not through RSS. Is that correct? You mean if people are, you know, that's actually an interesting question. We, for us, we actually can track that. Not all platforms can, but we actually can. We have a, a very close integration with iTunes so that we, I believe that we are the only video platform that can clickable always on iTunes. Um, but we actually, so we can track some metrics um, on downloadable media, but not, but not everything. But we can at least serve advertising into downloadable and uh, videos that are watched um, just while they're streaming on the web. I know that on YouTube, um, a partial counts as a, as a full play, a partial play. And I wonder if you're able to distinguish between a partial and a complete uh, play uh, to for content delivered over YouTube. You mean for Blip TV content? Correct. So for content that is served within our player, yes, you'll be able to get that information. And I should say, actually, some of the metrics that we're talking about are things that we are about to release but haven't released yet. So let's just say within the next two months, um, that these metrics will be available to con- to most of our content creators. We're going to roll them out. Um, and in terms of partial plays, like, yes, you'll know how much of a video someone's watched, but we do count a play of a video as when someone has pressed the play button and the video has hit our servers and starts playing. Talk to me a little bit about... Um what some of the independent creators are actually earning and maybe not, you know, just the pie in the sky guys that are really, you know, doing the best, but sort of middle of the road. I mean, what is like the average take um, that a independent creator uh, that's currently got their show with you is making? I mean, that's, nearly impossible to say because it depends on what you mean by average. Do you mean the median? Do you mean the mean? Uh, let's I'm not let's sure go, with the, let's go with the median. But, I mean, I don't. I, look, I'm not off the top of my head. I'd have to probably parse the numbers uh, to tell you exactly that. I can tell you that we send out hundreds of checks to people. Sometimes the payments are done through PayPal. So either through PayPal or through checks, we send out hundreds of payments to content creators every quarter. And I can tell you this because this show uh, released this information to USA Today, but we have a show called Nostalgic Critic on Blip uh, that in its very first quarter of moving to Blip earned $26,000 just from runner network advertising. So that means that we actually weren't selling the show directly. It was just earning money through our ad networks that we have on Blip. Uh, and it made that much money, which is, I mean, that's a nice amount when you consider how early we are in this medium of web video. Now, let me give the caveat to that, which is that making web video is not a get-rich-quick uh, means. So if you're looking to get rich quick, uh, this is really not going to be the easiest way to do it. Uh, the people that are earning money are people that either reach a very targeted demographic that's very valuable to an advertiser and also have content that is appropriate 
for an advertiser, uh, or people who are doing mass shows that have opted into advertising and are making money based on the number of views that their show is attracting. And so if they have a few million views, uh, they will start to earn some semi-serious money, uh, but it's not going to be the money that you would make if you're an A-list Hollywood talent uh, producing film or an A-list Hollywood talent starring in a television series. It's not, web video is not at that level yet. So um, you've announced two rounds of funding, and, uh, you know, I've got to think that that, you know, was, was, wasn't so easy. Um, what was it that ultimately convinced the investors to give you the money to fund your business? Wow, I have to say, we've been in business for four years now, coming up on our fourth anniversary. I've never been asked that direct question before. I think a lot of it has to do with two things. One of which is that we have always stayed true to our mission, which is to solve problems for the best content producers producing original content on the web. Uh, We began with that mission when we founded the company of May of 2005, and it's still what we talk about, think about, and optimize for every minute of every day. So right now, our our suite of offerings really comes down to three things for content creators. We'll host all of their videos, so we'll be the whole technological back-end, the servers, the bandwidth, the player, uh, etc. We'll do all the distribution deals um, that they'll need to get their content everywhere that should be viewed, whether that is on the TV set or a multitude of web platforms or iTunes or the Adobe Media Player. And three, to do the ad sales and help them earn some money. So I think the fact that we have stayed very true to that mission and I think have done a pretty good job of trying to streamline their the workflow of content creators means that you can understand what we're doing. Our business is very clear, and it's what we're all focused on, um, and we've had a lot of success in it. We have 38,000 original shows on Blip, uh, and that's a really great place to be. The second half of it is that our business is very relationship-driven. We are a platform play. We have three audiences that we serve, content creators, advertisers, and distributors, because uh, we're not a destination site, so we will rely on the iTunes and AOLs of the world to distribute our videos to the end user. We have spent a lot of time with all of our, what I'll call customers now, a lot of time with content creators, a lot of time with advertisers, and a lot of time with distributors, figuring out how we can make their lives easier and trying to solve problems with them. And the relationships that we have with each of those types of customers are very strong. We have become friends with many of these people. We have spent a lot of time listening to their needs and then solving problems for them. And so I think that and especially Bain Capital learned this when they were doing uh, due diligence on us for the last round of funding that we closed in August of last year, uh, is they got a sense of the depth of our relationships um, and how much we care. Uh, We really care about what we're doing, and we want to do a good job. And I think they were impressed by that, and I think that that has been helpful to us in all aspects of our business. There was a story on ClickZ um, on March 30th uh, and it was a report, uh, according to a an unnamed source at, Gu- at Google, which said that uh, YouTube was going to announce a, a a massive redesign. I don't know if you if you heard heard that or saw anything. Yep. Um, any any opinions on that? I mean, um, uh, do, is it true? And if it is true, uh, are you concerned or are you following suit? And 
and is Hulu did did Hulu actually get it right? Um, I don't know. What's what's the buzz in your neck of the woods about this? <laughs> I should take the stance that we never comment on rumors. I mean, look, I don't know anything more about that than what you do. I've read a lot of articles around it. Uh, I think. It sounds like a really great idea if they want to divide up content into different areas. Um, that sounds great. I do think that people's viewing patterns are changing, uh, and they're changing in a couple of different ways. One, people are becoming much more intentional about what they're viewing. So whereas a few years ago you may just have turned on MTV to watch some MTV, or you may have just turned on NBC primetime to watch must-see TV. I think people are much more specific now about what they want to watch. Uh, they'll know not just that they want to watch a network, they know, okay, I want to watch some gardening content, or I want to watch you know, this certain show, which is X show. And for young people, they may not even know what network that's on, because they may be accustomed to watching it through iTunes or through Hulu um, or through a DVR, etc. So that's changing. Uh, and I also think that things are changing in terms of whether when you turn on your computer or turn on your television, you want to watch a quote-unquote TV show versus watching a quote-unquote web show. So I think in a few years from now, people will just want to watch a certain show, uh, and it won't matter so much whether that show was originally created for television or whether it was uh, originally created for the Internet. Uh, so I do think the lines are blurring, uh, and I think that there will be some great agnostic platform out there, whether that is Boxy or Roku or Apple TV uh, or Time Warner Cable VOD. I, I just don't know exactly what the platform will be, but some easy to flip between network content and shows that were originally created for the web so that the lines between those two uh, will really atrophy in the years ahead. I uh, have been producing this podcast since April 05, and so I have this uh, idea that someday I'm going to be sitting with my grandchildren and, I, and I'm going to say, when I first started podcasting back in April 2005, and that's going to be sort of my uh, my uh, my memory that I was sort of this guy that walked down this this aisle early on. But you know, one of the things, one of the ideas I have, and I'd like to sort of run it by you and see if you th- if you if you think it's true. Um, it seems to me like it's easier to build an audience for audio content than video content, and I'll tell you why I think that. When I have an opportunity, and I and I am in a situation now where I've got my uh, computer hooked up to my plasma, and I can actually watch web video or um, video on demand through TiVo. So, I mean, for me, it's it's wide open. But but when I when I do have time to actually sit down and give of not just my ears but my eyes. Um, it seems like there's a lot stiffer, a lot more competition for a independent creator of web TV because now they're up against, you know, not just some other audio programs. They're up against, you know, Dancing with the Stars. They're up against Oprah. They're up against Charlie Rose. They're up against the BBC. And w- when it comes to audio content, particularly if I'm taking it uh, on the go on, on my iPod, I mean, they're really, it's, it's pretty much virgin territory. If I'm driving or if I'm exercising, it's either you know, going to be the serendipity of watching what happens to be on in the gym at the time, or it's going to be bringing my, uh, my iPod and getting what I want. So it seems like, it, to me, it's easier to build an audience for, uh, for audio than video. Do you agree or do you disagree? What do you think? 
I can't speak much to building an audience on the audio side because Blip TV has been 100% focused on video since we started. Podcasts actually can be uploaded to Blip, but our technology platform will accept them, but it's not something that we're tracking. So I certainly can't claim to be an expert on that. In terms of building up an audience for a video show, it's absolutely possible because we see it happen, I mean, literally every day. Look at the phenomenon that Gary Vanderchuk has created around Wine Library TV. I mean, this is just a guy with a wine store in New Jersey. And if you ask any sort of digerati type of person, someone super savvy about uh, web content, they're going to know Gary V and they're going to know Wine Library TV. And I really give him credit for marketing himself and producing a great show. And there are a slew of other examples that I could give you. So it's absolutely possible. It's not easy, and I think it has to do with a little bit of the magical viral marketing uh, workings of the web where good content just gets passed along from friend to friend. But I also think that marketing your content, if you're creating a web show, is very important, and you should go to conferences and meet influential people who can recommend your show on Twitter. You should be Twittering yourself. You should have a text blog in addition to your video blog. And uh, just market the heck out of that thing, just as the networks and the TV studios, um, I mean, sorry, the film studios are used to marketing films and television shows. So that's, that, that marketing side is the other half of the equation. But yes, you can build up an audience for a good web show, and I do think the best shows rise to the top. Given the cost differential uh, between producing video and producing audio, and, and I estimate it's about four to one, and given the massive amount of cash that the studios are pouring in to these programs, um, does, that, does that say something about the type of show that's going to work on uh, Blip.TV versus on network television? Like, should, should uh, independent creators be looking to create a different type of content rather than maybe narrative or, you know, high production value stuff? Or should they just be competing directly against network fare? I think it depends what you want to do, and I think that we'd be remiss if we didn't point out that production levels are really declining on the TV side, and look at how many more reality shows there are now on primetime network television than there were three or four or five years ago. So I think that is important to mention, and we should also say that side-by-side side with that, the production values going into web shows are dramatically increasing. And if you look at the quality of the shows that are being produced, for example, by Michael Eisner's group, Tornante in L.A., I would put those shows up against a network show and say, hey, you know what? The Tornante shows may actually look even more high quality than some of the reality shows that are on television. So with that as a point that I definitely wanted to bring up, uh, it's not easy to make money from web shows now. So it depends what your goal is. But if one of your goals is to break even or to make money, I would advise being scrappy when you produce your web show. And I don't think it's necessary to shoot not just in HD, but using the best HD camera out there uh, and taking all of the additional steps that a film or a, a quote-unquote professional TV production uh, would take in order to produce high-quality content. So I think that you can probably cut a lot of corners on the web and still have a show that looks good. I think that one of the two of the differences that I'll point out between a web show and a TV show are that there's 
a culture of authenticity around web shows that I think is very valuable. So as important as having a show that looks good, I think is having a show that feels authentic. Uh, so that's number one. And number two, you have the benefit on the web of getting immediate audience feedback about your show. And that may be about a character. It may be about the quality of the camera that you're using or the audio or locations. And so I think responding to those comments and getting feedback from your audience is very valuable. And you can use that to guide your show and figure out what the best uh, next steps may be. And maybe you need to go from a $400 camera to a $1,000 camera to increase the production of your show, but you may not need to buy a $20,000 camera. So I'd say listen to your audience. Uh, and if they think that it's doing all right and the numbers are rising, then you're probably all set with that $1,000 camera. We're talking to Dina Kaplan. She is the co-founder of Blip.TV. Final question, Dina. Um, I pulled up this press release from Comscore uh, on February 4th, 2009. The headline is U.S. Online Video Surges 13% in Record-Setting December. And it lists the, uh, the top uh, 10 properties. I see uh, AOL uh, is on there, so, but I don't see Blip TV on there directly. Um, explain to me, so, so AOL, some of, this, some of this numbers that AOL has here, are responsible uh, are, are are credited to you? How does that work? Well, I've got a few things to point out. Uh, one of which is that we're not tracked by Comscore right now, because I actually was just out with Tanya Yuki from Comscore last night, and right now they are only tracking views to our destination site, which is only five percent of our views. So we may actually be in that top 10. I would like to look at those numbers. Um, I'd have to see them. But we are a top 10 site uh, in terms of numbers if you're tracking all of our syndicated views. Uh, there's some issues around standardization in terms of measuring web video that just have not been hammered out yet, like what's a view. <laughs> different video sites have very different interpretations of what a view is. Uh, and some people consider a video that's been put on autoplay and that just starts running as being viewed. Other people say, no, you need intentionality. You need someone to click play on a video in order to uh, count uh, a video playing as as having actually been viewed. So another issue is that a lot of videos are syndicating out, are being syndicated out. For example, all of our videos are being syndicated out uh, beyond Blip.tv. And Comscore and Nielsen and Alexa and a lot of other kind of traditional sites that measure websites or page views can't measure video views that are syndicated. So that's an issue. Uh, there are some upstarts uh, like Quantcast, which is doing a great job, who are beginning to track syndicated views, and so that will be a good thing. So really it is incredibly difficult to compare one video site or one video platform to another right now because you have no idea how many views uh, that site or platform actually has unless you actually ask them if they're syndicating views out. Dina Kaplan, co-founder of Blip.TV, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. 